Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. For the past two decades, our guest has been a headliner at conferences in Europe and America. Tricia McCannon has been graced and encircled with the greatest mysteries of ages. She is a dedicated researcher and a mystical symbologist, a world-renowned clairvoyant and healer, a historian and initiate of ancient paths, path traditions as is known as the mysteries expert. Just recently, Trisha has just unveiled her latest book that we'll be talking with her about today. Jesus, the explosive story of the 30 lost years and the ancient mystery religions. You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Trisha has certainly stepped into a different drummer over all these years and has appeared on over 175 radio and TV shows worldwide, including Coast to Coast AM, The X Zone, Unsolved Mysteries, Strange Universe, and a number of international documentaries. Trisha McCannon is also the author of the unacclaimed book, Dialogues with the Angels. And just around the corner on November 3rd and 4th, she'll open a mystery school workshop at the Divine Science Community Center in San Jose, California. Well, how lucky we are to have her in our area. Tricia, world awakening is your path, and mighty exciting one at that. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be on your show. How are you guys today? Oh, we're, we're doing great. great. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, good. Well, I'm over here in Atlanta on the East Coast, and we're starting to get those chilly mornings and chilling evenings, but still quite beautiful during the day. Fall is definitely setting in. How is it over there in San Francisco and San Jose? Exactly the same way. It's, I love the fall. <laughs> it's and really have, beautiful, beautiful have, weather. And you have all those beautiful fall leaves over in your area, so you're lucky. Yeah, we we really do. And, of course, I'm looking forward to coming to San Francisco. I usually uh, get a chance to come out there in the late spring, the end of uh, <clears throat> April, beginning of May, for the wonderful New Living Expo that's held every year. But I have uh, I just love California, and I really enjoy the people out there because I think that they're really conscious. And I've had a number of them for quite a few years asking if I would come out to teach um, a whole workshop on the mysteries. And as probably the two of you know, you know, not only do I travel and teach and speak all over the world on a lot of subjects, including 2012 and this whole galactic alignment and UFOs and ancient civilizations and uh, angels and um, galactic shifts in consciousness, but for the last seven years I've had a mystery school here in Atlanta called the Phoenix Fire Lodge, the Order of the Eagle and the Dove. And uh, I've developed a 12-weekend uh, program for the first level. The mystery schools always have three levels. And so <clears throat> what I'm going to be teaching the very first weekend in November at the Divine Science Community Center in San Jose is actually the introduction to the mysteries weekend. And we really only have room for about 35 people, but it's a wonderful a community center with a labyrinth and um, gardens, and um, I think it will be terrific. And it's a perfect invitation for people who are interested in going to a deeper level 
and understanding how the ancient uh, mysteries from the past and the ancient wisdom that were taught by the masters in many places around the planet connects with, let us say, the esoteric Christian path, the Buddhist path, the um, uh, the deeper wisdom teachings of all the traditions. So after the first one at San Jose and, and it really grabbed someone, then they would go to uh, Georgia to be with you for the next two? Well, actually, I think what will happen is if we have a strong enough response, if we can get the word out for this, I will actually start coming back to San Jose every uh, couple of months. Um, I'm usually out there for the big Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles the second weekend of February. So I could probably come the week in before that to San San Jose. And then the same thing when I come back in um, April and May for the New Living Expo, I would schedule a weekend probably that first or second week of May to be able to teach out there. So that's really the whole idea is to see whether or not um, we can kind of gather the the light workers and the people who are interested in going to this deeper level, and if so, really create a branch of the mystery school out in San Francisco. And I can't think of a a better place because you know California just has the coolest people. You have to know that. <laughs> well, yes, well, we thank do. you. <laughs> well, well, it's true. I mean, think about it. You know, if you really look back at ancient civilizations. What we know of is current history is just a drop in the bucket, and certainly if you study the ancient records long enough, you discover that there were whole other, let us say, eras or ages of mankind. And out there in the Pacific Ocean, we had the great continent or island continent of Lemuria. And many would say that the female Christ consciousness is there. And what remains today, of course, is the Hawaiian Islands and Fiji and um, Easter Island and those kinds of places. But I think that California receives the energetic outflowing of that more divine feminine consciousness. So this is one of the reasons why there's such a, a high percentage, I think, of amazing light beings out on the West Coast. You, you know, I was going to say, I have to tell you, um, I, you know, I have your book in my hands. And um, which one? The dialogues with the angels. Jesus, uh, Jesus. Oh, I love that yeah. book. It took oh, well, three I, years I, to write that book. Oh, I, I'm telling. I, I, I'm telling you the the vibration that comes off this book. Uh, I had the most beautiful visions last night. Um, just laying in bed after I had even you know I I had scanned it and went here and there and. Uh, the vibration that comes off your book is just so uh, loving and so impregnating. Thank you for so much. it's it's I, I can't even I don't even have the words to tell you. I'm uh I you know what it almost makes me want to cry. It's so beautiful, and you see um, an empath, my darling. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, the book is has 144 codes that the masters laid into that book. And yeah. so even if you oh, sleep wow. with it under your pillow or you have it by your bed and you never even read it, which of course would be a shame, it literally has those vibrational codes. And the whole time oh, yeah. that I was writing it, I had masters coming into my house, appearing by my bedside. I had Jesus uh, actually uh, here. And, you know, if you're interested, I'll tell you some of the really amazing stories around it. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, That's yeah. why Please. we have you on our show. <laughs> well, you know, let me just say, I was raised here in the Deep South, and my family was very traditional Christian. My dad was Baptist. My mother was Methodist. We became confirmed in the Episcopalian Church when I was 13. And so, you know, and like my, my older sister's married to a, a preacher, a fundamentalist preacher, believe it or not. And uh, my mom went through a period where she speaks in tongues and did laying on of hands, evangelical. So, you know, I had Jesus around me my whole life. And, of course, I thought Jesus was very cool and amazing. But I personally had not had direct encounters with him. And as you two may know, I'm a clairvoyant and... I've had ongoing um, encounters from, with angels and masters and teachers at a very, very high level from the time I was 
eight years old. Um, and again, I'll be happy to speak about some of that if you would like. But what happened was my first book, Dialogues with the Angels, came out, and it was very much about these encounters from the time I was young, seeing fairies and divas and having an angel appear when I was eight and begin to teach me and growing up in one of those classic American dysfunctional families where you're you know, ranting and raving to God about the injustice of the world and suffering and, and having these angels appear and begin to teach me and counsel a path of compassion and forgiveness. And then when I was 19, I had these Viragi masters appear to me who teach that the three purest ways we can know God are love, sound, in the beginning was the word, and light. And these masters were very profound teachers who literally had a roadmap of all of the dimensions. So all during my 20s and my 30s, where I was on the fast track with my commercial photography world in the Clark Kent identity, my inner life was very much about developing access into these inner planes, seeing past lives, beginning to track souls down from the highest heavens into this lifetime, backward and forward in time, and understanding the mechanisms from the inside out of how we as souls come down from the higher kingdoms, we fall asleep, we forget who we are, and then the process of awakening and returning to that connection with source. So I was writing a second book after the Dialogues with the Angels book called Decoding the Mysteries of the Ages. And the subtitle was The Secret Teachings of Jesus, Isis, Horus, and the Masters of the Far East. Because even though a lot of times in the secular understanding of religion or spirituality, the religions argue with one another. In truth, the masters never do. The masters are all about truth and love at a high level. And so they don't have, they they get along just fine with one another. So that's what this book was about. And I had put three little chapters in on Jesus. And um, uh, I wound up having that three little chapters become 200 pages inside of what really became a much larger book, too large for the publisher, who was like, how come this book is 600 pages now? So I thought, what in the world should I do? And it was that, it was right at Christmas time, that week after Christmas into New Year's, which is like that wonderful, dark, quiet cave time where you can really go inward. And I remember thinking, you know what I'll do? I'll just pull those 200 pages out. That'll solve my my problem. Well, clearly (laughs) Jesus had another idea. (laughs) And so um, what happened was I was laying on the floor of my office with my hand or arm covering my eyes, and I became aware of this great light pouring down on me. And I moved my arm, and Jesus was standing in the room. And he was so full of light and joy and love. It was nothing like this dying on the cross, suffering martyrdom. I mean, he was so enormously light. He just opened your heart by his presence. And when I could sort of get over the sort of gasp of the fact that he was standing there, without any preamble at all, he said, I want you to write a book about my lost years and secret teachings there has been enough war and bloodshed in my name. And even now when I tell that story, it's so emotional because it was such a profound experience. And I remember thinking, well, could I finish this other book first because I'm so close? And you know how we are with our little mortal minds. And he smiled and waved his hand and said, don't worry, it'll just take a moment and I'll open every door. And, of course, it, it took three years, but that's probably a blink of an eye in the mind of God. And so, you know, then I thought, wait a minute, write a book about Jesus. You know, I'm a clairvoyant who has studied the Egyptian mysteries, the Druid mysteries, the Celtic mysteries, the Essene mysteries, all of these ancient traditions, Native American twisted hair. I'm initiated in many ancient traditions, And so I thought, wait a minute, me write a book about Jesus? You've got to be kidding. But then I thought, well, how hard can it be? You know, it'll it'll probably just take me three months. You know, I'll pull those three chapters out and use it as the base. Well, um, I, you know, then I thought, wait a minute, write a book about Jesus? You know, I live in the traditional South. They'll burn me at the stake. 
<laughs> so I thought, what in the world should I do? And I, it took me about 10 or 15 minutes laying there on the floor going through my thought process. And Jesus followed every single thought. He never interfered. He never spoke. But he literally followed every telepathic thought I had. And I finally realized that as aware a being as he was, that he had deliberately incarnated in his time and probably the place that was densest on the planet, which was among the Romans that were pretty materialistic and among the Jews that had lost their deeper esoteric traditions, with, of course, the exception of the Essenes. Um, And he had done that deliberately in order to be able to awaken and turn them. And I thought, goodness, if he can do that, I can at least write a book. So I said yes. And it actually took me about six months of... um, putting together a a series of very powerful presentations on the Egyptian mysteries, the Jewish mysteries, and the inner Christian teachings before I started the book. I'm I'm a clairvoyant, so I see everything, so I had to organize my material and my research in a visual level. And when I began in June of the following year, within about two or three weeks, I realized that I was looking at the presence of the Great White Brotherhood. Because all of these various initiatory orders basically had three levels of initiation. The first was dedicated to the divine feminine, and uh, they were the healers. They They wore the color green. The second was dedicated to the divine masculine, the mysteries of the divine father and son, and they were the teachers and historians, and they wore the color blue. And then the third were the masters, and they wore the color white. And when I realized this, I actually began to pray to be given historical information, not channeled information, but historical information that I could use about the Great White Brotherhood. And this um, began the visitation of a whole group of masters who were involved and are involved with the Great White Brotherhood, including the head of the Great White Brotherhood, whose name is Sanat Kumara. And he looks so... Different. He appeared to me in July, uh, one morning as I was waking up, and he looked so close to Jesus, but it was a hair's breadth difference. And the only thing he said to me was, Sanat Kumara. And uh, then uh, he vanished. Well, I had no idea who Sanat Kumara was. I mean, I'd never had an encounter with him. But come to find out, he uh, was the head of the Great White Brotherhood. And... Um, that you know, writing the book, I had books materialize on my bookcase. I had people show up at my doors with hidden secret records, and as I, I said, I wound up getting access to some of the 570,000 documents hidden in the Vatican that no one has been allowed to see for over a hundred years. So it was quite wow. an extraordinary journey for me, and um, you How know, did you I come upon that. Pardon me. Well, that's all. <laughs> That in itself is a very long story about how all of that occurred, and I think I actually talk about it a little bit in the in the book if you when you get a chance to read it. But um, I um, I wound up having uh, in August of that summer, that first summer I started, I had a, a couple of friends come to visit and stay here in Atlanta with me, and they brought their little five-year-old adopted Mayan daughter who was quite psychic and we put her to bed in the bed that I had been sleeping in the whole time I was working on this book (laughs) and the next morning uh, when we were going to breakfast I gave her this wonderful little designer teddy bear you know that she could dress and undress with clothes on and I said now you can name this bear anything you want and she said Issa and I said Oh, you mean Alyssa, uh, uh, Elizabeth, Eliza. She said, no, Issa. Well, Issa was the name that Jesus went by in England, in India, and all throughout the Middle East. Issa means firstborn, and it comes from an ancient Vedic term for Brahma, or the creator, God. Issa, Ra, Anima, Hetatu which is a longer word, but Issa is the short version. And so obviously what had happened was in the night he had come to visit, and this little girl was so psychic that she had picked up on his presence 
and that's how she had gotten the name. Isn't wow. that extraordinary? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. So, yes, I'm so glad that you have the book. You know, there's over 100 illustrations, and then the last 100 pages, believe it or not, are footnotes and appendixes and back matter. And as I said, you know, it was about three years in the making between the writing and the editing, and I would wind up, you know, writing all day uh, from about 7 in the morning to about 7 at night, and then I'd go down at night and eat some supper, and I would draw till midnight. So many, many of the drawings in the book actually are my drawings. So it was it was like being in the cave. <laughs> well, I, I just need to ask you. It's pretty. Um, the uh, the book is so immense. I you know I um, I have had an experience with Jesus several times, and I have to tell you that he used symbolism with me to get across the information, so that I can interweave it in my life and use it. Oh, that is so profound. And I wonder if that was done with you as well. I mean, because it was like he came there. It was like, uh, you know, I was able to see him. I, You couldn't, I mean, his mouth didn't move. It was telepathic. In fact, I questioned, I said, how come I not? I'm not seeing you talk, and and they put rings around his mouth. So I realized, you know, I you know what I mean. It, I realized it was telepathic. Exactly. Well, that's the form of communication up there in those higher worlds, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, at that time, I I didn't really understand. I just wanted to make sure I was, you know, <laughs> right. was a being. And um, and then I questioned, and then and then I was placed into like an initiation chamber, where I. You know, I had things to learn, and I was taught that way. And I stayed into this initiation chamber until, uh, and I i mean, I could learn really fast that way. It was like maybe, okay, 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, in that period of time. But I was placed in there, and uh, the message kept repeating until I finally got the message, until I understood what Jesus was trying to tell me. Wow. And I'm thinking... You know, something like this, with you writing this book, this obviously this kind of thing must have happened with you as well. I mean, just sharing. and Can you describe some of the stories and some of the things that you went through when you were, when you were working with this book? Yes. Let me say that, you know, it's interesting that I'm, I'm coming out to San Francisco and San Jose to, uh, I've been teaching the mystery school here, but it's interesting the timing for this because when I talked about the fact that you know I had always thought Jesus was cool, but I hadn't had any encounters. As you may know, I, I do clairvoyant readings, and I have done over six thousand for people around the world uh, for the last gosh twenty five or thirty years, and. Um, I uh, was actually out in San Francisco uh, at a big conference, and I wound up staying over for, um, and I had seen, this is, I want to say that I, because I, I do past life readings, you know, when I first started, I was only going back two, three, four, five thousand years, and then I made a leap to where I was going back, you know, 50,000 years, 100,000 years, and then I began to tra- track the soul up into the higher kingdoms, and I really discovered that all of us emanate, we originate in the angelic kingdoms. And so, of course, my quest for many years became, well, wait a minute, if we started off so perfect, what the heck happened and how did we get so disconnected? So the readings that I do today for people, and I'm going to actually be in San Jose, and I'll have a, about four or five days that I can see clients and do readings after this uh, first weekend in uh, November workshop, um, and so what had happened is in the I had seen in some people's records, I had seen Jesus. Either they were in a crowd and they were watching him or they served him food or they were friends or they were actually apostle, uh, apostles or disciples, either male or female, because he actually he did have both. Um, and so I knew that he existed because I had seen him in at least, you know, I'd say 30 people's, 30 or 40 people's soul records. Uh, it had been very indelible, um, the encounter with him. But um, 
I was in San Francisco when I had my very first encounter with him, which was about three years before the encounter I just described that started the book. And what actually happened was I was out in San Francisco for a, a big expo. I stayed over to do readings for the week. These three wonderful older women came for readings, just lovely women, and they took me to lunch at a little bistro restaurant. Well, while we were sitting there, the door opened, and Jesus walked in in his light body. Well, nobody else could see him, but I could see him, and I'm sure my mouth was totally hanging open. And he came and sat down next to me on my left, and I was just absolutely stunned. And the same kind of energy I was talking about before, enormous heart opening, just like a total quickening of your feel just being in his presence. Well, I did not even know what to say, so I got up and excused myself and went to the bathroom, which was a little just one toilet affair with, you know, red terrazzo uh, floors, and I locked the door, and he was hovering about a foot off the floor, and uh, he never said anything. He just emanated this enormous uh, light and love, and, uh, you know, when you're in a presence of somebody like that, I I got down on my knees, and I said, listen, I don't know what you're doing here, but, you know, if I can help you in some way, I'm really happy to help. And, by the way, if you could kind of help with my crazy, screwed-up family, that would be really nice. But, hey, it's not contingent. You know, I'll help regardless. But if you could do something, that would be great because I've tried everything I could do in my family. But, you know, and so he never said anything. And that encounter lasted about five minutes in the bathroom, and then his energy moved off. And when I went out I was uh, to the restaurant, I was just so uh, shifted and I said something to this, these women, and one of these older women had a very strong connection with Jesus. And it was not just a traditional connection. It was a real uh, relationship. And I, my theory is I got on his radar screen because of this lovely woman. Well, three years later, as I said, I, I didn't see him in between. Maybe he was watching me the whole time to sort of see if I was um, an instrument or a tool or a vessel that he could use and in a higher uh, um, performance of, a, of a, a duty for him. But then the encounter that I just described actually occurred. And, um, you know, it was very profound. The whole time I was writing the book, it was um, the masters were coming in at night. Jesus was coming in at night. Um, the masters of the Great White Brotherhood were here. I wound up being taken into these initiation chambers with all of these initiates dressed in white, which at that time I didn't completely realize were all masters. And they made actually the sign of the serpent on my forehead. Well, I have enough fundamentalist, you know, background that I was like, the sign of the serpent, oh, my God, you know, what's this? So I happened at that time to have a housemate who was an Indian guy named Shankar. And he called one day and I said, Shankar, can I ask you, what do you know about Sanat Kumara? And he says, oh, he's one of the four great Kumaras. I was like, the four great Kumaras, who are those? Oh, they're the four sons of God spoken of in the Vedas. I was like, the four sons of God? What do you mean? He says, well, you know, within the mystery schools, it was always taught that the Divine Mother comes into the world again and again. But the Divine Father only comes in through these four sons. And I was like, well, who are they? He said, well, there is Sanat Kumara, who is the head of the Great White Brotherhood. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding. Well, 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 well who else? And he said, well, there is Sananda Kumara, who was, of course, Jesus. I was like, holy smokes. Well, well, who are the other two? He said, well, there is Sananka Kumara. And I said, well, what's his deal? He said, well, he... he um, he comes in to set up the great mystery schools, and this would be Thoth. This would be the god of wisdom from ancient Egypt, Thoth, also known in the South American and Central American lands as Quetzalcoatl, the great feathered serpent, because his symbol was the caduceus, which is a symbol, of course, of the enlightenment as the Inda and the Pingala move up the spine and cross at the seven chakras, eventually producing the halo on top and the wings of freedom where the soul can leave the body. And then I said, well, who's the fourth one? And he says, oh, he comes very rarely, only in times of greatest darkness, 
almost like, well, what's his name? His name is Sanantana Kumara. I was like, well, what's his mo? He said, well, he come. He's he is a poet. He is a healer. He he is a lover of of God. But of course, he comes to push back the darkness in times when it looks as if the dark will win. Well, of course, who who follows this profile would be Horus from ancient Egypt, who had to pull Egypt out of chaos because Set, his evil uncle, had taken over. Rama and Krishna would also follow this exact same profile. Healers, musicians, shepherds, lovers of the divine who had to pony up for a period of time when it looked like the dark would overtake the earth. And so, um, you know, I've worked for many years with Horus and with Thoth, and they have certainly overseen my mystery school, and, of course, now for many years with Jesus. And I've really only had that one encounter with Sanat Kamara, but the mystery school that I teach, the Phoenix Fire Lodge, the Order of the Eagle and the Dove, um, I would never have... Uh, even begun to think that I would set up a mystery school understanding the profundity of what these schools actually were in ancient Egypt, in the Druidic times, in the Mithran times, uh, in the Buddhist times. But I had Thoth appear to me three times in a row and ask me to set up um, this mystery school. And so it took me a year of meditating and pondering what the structure should be should be before uh, I actually began it seven years ago. And um, I remember one of the um, senior staff who had studied with the Viragi Masters, as I have, said to me, you know, this this um, school will go worldwide. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. You know, I have 12 little students here. Well, of course, now I have students that come from five or six different states. And coming to the West Coast, this will really sort of be um, – the first time we get a chance to really see how it goes outside of the southeast. But over the last year and a half, I've created a series of 12 online programs that people who live in Canada, let's say, or New Jersey or uh, you know Timbuktu, if they're interested in studying the mysteries, they can take. And I'm in the process of having a new website design. My website is very cool the way it is, but it, it didn't wasn't broad enough to be able to encompass the mysteries portion. So if you go to my website now, which is www.trishamccannonspeaks.com, and that's spelled T-R-I-C-I-A, that spelling of Trisha, and then McCannon is M-C-C-A-N-N-O-N, and then just the word speaks, you know, you'll see uh, my books, you'll see the DVDs. I have about 30, 35 DVDs and CDs on all of these great mysteries. And you'll see something about the mystery school, but um, I'm in the process of having a totally new website designed. And since I announced uh, in January in Coast to Coast about these online programs, people have been emailing me. And if any of your listeners would like to do so, they can email me and ask me to send them the free introduction to the mysteries, which is about 65 pages. I send it as a PDF online. And then in the back, all the courses are listed with an overview of each one. So if they're interested in ordering the courses, they can certainly do so, even though they're not up online yet. Does this make sense? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the email if anyone is interested in emailing. Although, day after tomorrow, I'm going to be out of town for about a week and speaking at the Universal Light Expo in Ohio. So if you don't get an immediate response, don't despair. I'll get back and be sure to send you the intro. But the email you would want to use would be TrishaMcCannon1111 at yahoo.com. So it's T-R-I-C-I-A-M-C-C-A-N-N-O-N, and then 1111, which is very much involved with the mysteries because it represents the portal of initiation that the student moves through when we move from the mundane into pulling back the veils to a higher level of perception. And it's at yahoo.com. So, Tricia, is this where we're going? I mean, uh, being that you have this continuous connection, and maybe you could share a little bit about what's happening beyond what these years were. 
Yes, well, let me say that we are definitely in a very, very exciting time to be alive, and I think all of us volunteer to be down here now. And, of course, we have to remember first and foremost that as souls we are immortal beings and that we've lived many lives, not just on this planet, but many of us have had experiences on other planets in the third dimension, planets in the fourth dimension, and in the fifth dimension. So it's important to keep this in mind when we begin to talk about the many exciting events of 2012 and beyond. Um, I've just finished teaching a nine-week series on actually the galactic alignment of 2012 and the years beyond, and I'll kind of give you a brief summation of some of that if you would like. Is that something you'd be interested in? Oh, yes. Well, basically what's happening is that we, our sun and our solar system, is coming into alignment with the center of the galaxy. Now, this happens roughly every 13,000 years. When we move around our galaxy, it takes about uh, 260 million years for us to move all the way around like a record player. But we don't just move around like a flat record player. We go through an undulating sine wave where we drop below the, the plane of the galaxy or the galactic equator, and that's where we've been for 13,000 years. That happened when we when Atlantis fell about 11,500 years ago. And then we've been in the third dimension. We fell into the third dimension, as, as we all know. And now we're at a place where we're, we're rising up and we're beginning to cross the plane of the galaxy, moving to the higher part of the sine wave. And once we cross it, once again, we'll have about 13,000 years before we go up like a hill and then we descend again and cross again. So this 26,000-year cycle is something called the precession of the equinox, and it was known as the great year, one great year. And when we move above the galactic horizon, we actually move into a more fourth-dimensional state. We still have trees and bushes and houses and families and husbands and wives. We still have all this, but literally the molecular um, vibration of matter itself moves up a level. And so, of course, those souls who are, let us say, um, coming from the heart or working from a higher consciousness are souls that will make this transition more easily. Those souls that are still very much involved in war and power and politics and lies and manipulation and just sort of the games that (laughs) that we tend to fall into down here in the third dimension, those people will not really be able to make that transition. So when this happens, you know, this is a very interesting thing because we know that this procession has happened many times. And sometimes we have, usually we have a pole shift. And, of course, that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, because if you have existing systems that aren't working so well, you either have to have evolution and wake up within the system and change it or you have to have revolution. And so pole shifts, are a, an easy way of kind of wiping away a lot of the old paradigm systems where we get an opportunity to start again. And we can sort of look back in time and see that we've had small, medium, large pulse shifts. We've, we've had a lot of shifts. It's, we can see this in the geologic table. And they can tell because when they go down in sediment, they can um, judge how the iron file fillings that are always oriented to wherever the North Pole is, how they shift from sediment layer to sediment layer. And this is one of the ways they're able to tell how long um, between shifts. And there's not a, it's not always a set figure. Um, so what's happening now in our solar system is we do have some pole reversals going on. Uranus and Neptune have reversed their poles. Jupiter, the red spot, is rotating the opposite way. The poles are melting on Saturn, Mars, and, of course, Earth. And all this is um, really a result of the fact that we're completing this 26,000-year cycle and we're coming back into alignment with the center of the galaxy. Now, when we're below the galactic horizon, the male Christ comes in to protect the planet, and he's flanked by the females. He always has the mother and usually the wife or the mate, like Mary and Mary Magdalene. When we get to the other side of this, there is a rebirth of the divine feminine, and we see this happening all around us. 
and the female Christ comes in. And, of course, I have no doubt that she also is flanked and supported by the divine masculine. So this is one of the exciting things that's happening now is that there's a rebalancing where the female energy is coming back after a long period of time of being sort of suppressed. And the even the males are opening much more to their own feeling nature. Uh, so this is it's a very exciting time to be alive. And when we start talking about pole shifts, we've already had our north magnetic pole shift some nine degrees towards Siberia. So we've been doing it incrementally. And, of course, this is obviously a lot easier, even though, you know, you might lose a city here or a town here or 50,000 people might die. And, of course, that's a great tragedy. But it's a whole lot better than it happening all at once and being a very extreme pole shift. So we don't know exactly how it's going to wind up playing out, but we're in a 25-year window between now and the year 2000, I think 30, 39 or something like that, 37, where there are going to be a lot of events that are going to happen at a geophysical level, at a vibrational, energetic level, at a shifting up into the fourth dimensional level. Uh, and, and there are incredible things that are, are discoveries that are happening right now that you know, if most people don't know about them because they're not in the news. But I actually talk about this when I when I come out to San Francisco. I'm uh, aside from the Mystery School weekend, I'm probably going to do an evening and a one day workshop on the galactic alignments because they're now finding all these underwater cities where temples are intact. And I mean, it's clearly you know Atlantis or earlier civilizations. They're finding pyramids in Antarctica that are absolutely stunning. They're actually bodies of mermen and mermaid washing maids washing up on the beach, things that sound like fairy tales, things that sound like they're out of some science fiction movie. They're actually all happening now because there's a merger of the planes between the second. We're the, we're the middle plane. We're the third dimension. The second dimensional beings are coming up. The fourth and fifth dimensional extraterrestrials are are visiting and coming in, and. You know, in the Norse mythology, we are called Middle Earth or Midgard because we're the middle point where everything comes back to us. And then when there's a, when we cross this galactic equator, there's then a re-separation of the planes. And everyone in the second dimension that's ready to move to the third dimension, they move up. Everyone in the third dimension that's ready to graduate to the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension, we move up. And, of course, if you're not, you get to have another remedial year of 26,000 years going back and repeating second grade in the third dimension. <laughs> so it's a very, very exciting time to be alive if we just stay out of the fear, keep our hearts open, you know, clear whatever the emotional debris is that we may have left accumulated in the last 26,000 years, you know, and um, do our spiritual homework. It's an amazing time to be alive because we have an opportunity when this shift takes place, instead of dying, to consciously step through the portals of awakening into the fourth dimension with our eyes open. And that is an astonishing event. Does any of this make sense to the two of you? What do you think yes. over there? I've been talking a long time here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like going a mile a minute. I know we haven't only have an hour, so I'm kind of like just no. squishing it all in. But, you know, how are you taking it over there? Well, we've heard some of what you've said, but it's like a great confirmation that you're putting the pieces together. You're bringing the pieces together, making it more clear than I've ever heard before. Well, let me say that my background, you know, I love science and physics and archaeology and anthropology and history. I, um, Even though I'm a clairvoyant, I maybe because my dad was a lawyer and I was raised in that very skeptical fundamentalist family, I learned uh, early on to really try to ground my information with science. And since I was a commercial photographer and graphic designer for so many years, I have just stunning PowerPoint presentations where I'm able to not just tell people about this, but actually show them the evidence. They can make up their own mind. They can come to their own conclusions. So the um, evening presentations that I do and like the Galactic Alignment Workshops, I definitely use that. And even within the Mystery School teachings, which 
are more experiential and ceremonial, I also wind up many times um, giving a chance for people to become acquainted with the new material from an evidential point of view. And I think this helps with the left and right sides of the brain. Uh, you know, a lot of times with women, you find that women are naturally very, very intuitive, and they have a sense of being able to kind of go with the flow of channeling and angels and spirituality, but they're not sure about those metallurgical samples, you know. And the men are the opposite. It's like, forget the angels, you know, forget these multi-dimensions. I just want to see the blueprints of the spaceship. You know, <laughs> I'm an engineer, and th- that way I can convince myself. So when when we address both the left and right sides of the brain, we begin to balance who we are. And this is something that Jesus talked about in the Gospel of Thomas. He this is he's talking about some spiritual technology that most of us didn't know about or it got lost because it wasn't in mainstream teachings and it's only come out recently. Jesus said when you make the two eyes into one, when you make the inner into the outer and the outer into the inner, when you make the male into the female and the female into the male, then you shall see the kingdom of heaven. And that might sound pretty obscure, but if you understand the spiritual technology he's speaking about, is that when we awaken our left and right hemispheres of the brain equally, which represent our male and female, our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, then we connect with the corpus uh, callosum, which connects them, and we begin to awaken our third eye. And when our inner sight is open, it's literally like the veils get pulled back and we begin to be able to see the inner realms of the inner worlds. And this is really at the heart of what the great spiritual mysteries taught, is that the divine is in each and every one of us. It is present with us all the time. And we are literally in the realms of the divine. But we're like somebody that can only see one room. And when you begin to study the mysteries, the walls of the room begin to descend, and you realize that you're in a vast and exquisite cosmos. And that's why I love the mysteries and why I continue to um, to be someone who believes that we're living in an age where the ancient teachings can come forward once again to awaken souls to their own divine nature. Does this make sense to the two of you? Yes, it does. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I have to tell you, um, your book has impaled impaled me to the point where when I was able to feel the book last night I I there was such peace and such serenity and awe that came from the feeling of your book that I knew that it was really em- embraced beyond anything you can imagine um it's the masters. I give them all credit. Yeah, I, it was, I was their typing incredible. fingers, but yeah, you know. well, your typing fingers did well. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, uh, you know, impregnated this book with. Uh, I mean, it, it's really awe, and I hardly ever say things. I mean, I wouldn't say that if I didn't really mean it. I, in fact, so it was much. over. It was overwhelming that. You know, when this, and it made me, I mean, it made me want to cry. I mean, it was just the beauty of it. And, um, you know, that that doesn't happen when you pick up a book, you know what I mean? Thank you so much. And yeah. I have to tell you, I've just uh, released the new edition of Dialogues with the Angels. Uh, it's just gone into its fourth printing, and I got the first copies back the end of last week. It's actually, um, we've been, I added about 100 pages to it and about 30 illustrations. And that is another absolutely beautiful book. Um, Doesn't have but maybe 20 footnotes instead of 1,200. But it's a book that people always say to me, my God, I cried like five times reading it. Because once again, I think of the beauty of these divine teachers who love us so much and who you know, would go to the ends of the earth to see any of us awaken. And it's their presence, I think, that infuses the work that I do and motivates me to continue to um, be a vessel that 
perhaps allows other people to establish these same profound connections. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I've worked with the, I've asked the White Brotherhood to come in when I do work, and um, today is the first day that I found out who's ahead of, who's in charge of the White Brotherhood. So that's really profound. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. These beings, I, I, I have a, about a five hundred. Uh, dollar um, incredible illustrated Krishna book that was given to me by some friends of mine in the Hare Krishna movement many years ago. And I started going through the book and I encountered pictures, paintings of what they call the four deathless ones, the four eternally young ones, or these four great Kumaras. And uh, they're, they're pictured as quadruplets because they look so similar. And I'm sure they can take any form they want, of course, depending on the culture that they come into. But um, each and every one of them seems to have a particular M.O. And Jesus, you know, his M.O. seems to be really one of the hardest because it's he comes in and he gives and gives and gives to humanity. We usually kill him, not so good. And then he goes through the process of saying, you are more than a body, you are an immortal soul, and let me prove it to you. And through the power of love, we can resurrect ourselves. And this, of course, is the same uh, basic uh, template that we see in the great Lord Osiris in Egypt. And so my belief is that this was an earlier incarnation of Jesus. And actually, most of many, many of the titles that are ascribed to Jesus were the very ones ascribed to Osiris as the Lord of Light that meets us before we enter heaven. And um, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lord of Righteousness, Lord of Truth. And it's not because, you know, Jesus went and stole, stole those symbols. It's literally, I believe, because in uh, Egypt he did not really get to complete his work. Uh, his life was cut off prematurely, and even though he went through a resurrection, you know, it was very brief. And I think in his incarnation as Issa or as um, Jesus, uh, the Christ, he um, he was definitely an initiate of all these great mystery schools. The word mysteria or mysteries is used some 22 times in the New Testament. And the apostles say the Lord taught everything in a mystery. Of course, you know, he was surrounded by Egypt on one side, the Aleutian mysteries of Greece on the other. Joseph of Arimathea, his uncle, had ships that went to uh, the Castorady Mountains and Cornwall, England, where the Druids were. Of course, he was a, uh, a master initiate. And, in fact, one of the things I discovered in doing my book is that these masters knew he was coming, and they had been awaiting his arrival for some 500 years. And his coming was predicted in no less than five different orders or traditions, including the Egyptians, the Druids, the Persian, Mithrans, and the Buddhists, and the Essenes, of course. But the Buddhists, Buddha had said that they would be a perfectly realized being who would incarnate some 500 years after him, who would be the next Buddha. And Jesus was actually acknowledged and recognized as that being in the six years that he lived in um, Rajagira in a Buddhist community. So, you know, writing this book was an extraordinary honor and a real initiation for me. And it's my hope that in coming to San Jose to teach this introduction to the mysteries, that I'll be able to help people reconcile their Judeo-Christian background in a more profound way with the wisdom of the of the masters and this momentous New Age consciousness that is awakening on our planet. Yeah, you. I'm, I'm sure you've been gifted with this. It, it's like it's you can really feel it, and uh, you know, bringing his teachings forward that perhaps he couldn't bring forward, you know, at various um, places in his life. And it's it's been brought forward in in this book and other areas, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I, it's, it's really wonderful to have you with us. And um, we're, we're talking with Tricia McCannon, and her website is 
Trisha McCannon Speaks.com. And Trisha is spelled T R I C I A. Uh, her last name is spelled M C C A N N O N. So it's Trisha McCannon Speaks.com. And Trisha will be coming to our area November 3rd and 4th. Um, and the Mystery School Workshop will be available at the Divine Science Community Center uh, that she will be teaching. And just so that people know, the phone number there, if you want to um, also make a connection there, would be 293-3838. And Tricia, do you want to give your phone number out or something if people want to talk with you specifically? Yeah, um, I, because I'm going to be on the road uh, part of the time, I'll, I'm happy to give my phone number. But let me say there is a wonderful, wonderful woman who's actually uh, coordinating uh, the events in San Francisco. Her name is Andrea Walker. And do you guys have her number on you? If you don't, I will pull it up on my computer. Um, do you have no, that with no. you? Do you uh, if you? If you give me a second, <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead awesome. and pull it up. She's lovely, and she's one of the people who's been campaigning so heavily for me to come out there, and she's a real angelic soul herself. So um, this will, she has not had a chance to even take this. Uh, her her um, nudging me for now about 10 months is one of the reasons I'm coming. Let's see if I can find, oh, here's her number. Um, here's one of her numbers. But if you, uh, it's 408-353-3911. Now, if you wind up um, emailing me, um, I can send you out uh, um, an, an email about this. You can um, email me at the Trisha McCannon 1111 at yahoo.com address and say, I want to know more information about this, and I'm happy to send you out a, a flyer about it. I don't kind of get back until I think uh, at least Thursday. I get back around October the 23rd, so it's pretty close to that first weekend. So certainly if we can um, hook them up with Andrea in San Jose, that actually is a, a great idea. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can find any other thing on her. Just I have this, her cell phone number. I also have it. And uh, it's 408-355-5779. And um, her home base um, office number is 408 353-3911. Again, 408-353-3911. And her name is Andrea. She's she's lovely. Um, in fact, I was looking to see if there was anything else. She is. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's a real angelic soul. And, you know, she calls me up and she has this sweet little an- angelic voice. And, you know, I'm going a mile a minute over here because I'm, I'm about to go up to the Universal Light Expo in Ohio, which is really one of the biggest shows on the East Coast. And then I'm I'm coming out to California, and then I'm in New York the beginning of December. And the end of December for this whole 2012 event, I'm one of a, a group of uh, keynote speakers that are going to be speaking in Chichen Itza, which uh, at a major conference called Synthesis 2012. If anyone oh. wants to look that one up, that's a great one. And that's going to be the major platform for the Mayan elders to come forward and deliver their message to the world. And that's, I think, the 20th through the 23rd of December. So it's right before Christmas, but definitely worth attending. It only happens once every 26,000 years, you know. <laughs> so and people really will be like you. And I will be staying over to do readings, too, uh, after this conference, just for about five days. And uh, so if anyone's interested, they can call me at 404 355 in Atlanta. Uh, be sure to just leave your name and your phone number, and my assistant will probably clear the messages while I'm gone. And then when I come back on the 23rd, I'll call you back, and we can try to set something up for the week after the um, Mysteries event. Do you uh, do readings over the telephone? I do. In fact, about half of my <laughs> readings are on the phone and half are in person. In fact, this whole weekend I was doing readings but I also clear, you know, what I've found is over time we pick up sometimes debris in our energetic field. And that debris often blocks us. And there are certain elements that uh, no matter how smart or intelligent or spiritual you are, if you've got some of this stuff, it can pull you off course. And these things are vows that we may have taken in the past that were perfect for the life we were in, curses, curses 
also contracts that aren't working for us, um, uh, beliefs that are formed in a traumatic time, a time of trauma that aren't really in alignment with our highest good, and cords that aren't really working for us. And so I also clear all of those things. Um, uh, but those things I have to actually do in person. So readings I can do in person or over the phone. The people just have to send me photographs of themselves, and then we set up a time. So, uh, you know, if you're interested, just call me on the phone, and I'm happy to tell you how to do that. But with the, the clearing work, I actually have to be in, working with you in person. You know, it didn't, we didn't get it that easily, so it takes a little bit of effort to get it off. But it's great because afterwards you're like sparkling new. <laughs> oh, good. Well, our hour's over with already. It's just gone so quickly. Yeah. So we have, we have to say goodbye, and thank oh, you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And I know I was just talking like a mile a minute, but we can try it next time where I'll talk a little slower. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. Squish it all in. <laughs> thank you both so uh, much for having me. Uh, thank you. You're, you're quite welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.